Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Self-belief will take you to the next level. Mental training is critical to becoming the best runner that you can be. We can put in all of the work and follow the training plan to a T, but if you don't believe in yourself and see yourself actually achieving those goals at the end of your training plan, it's likely that you are going to fall short when it comes to race day performance. Running requires belief and confidence in your abilities. The best thing that we can do as runners is to work on our mental strength and confidence in our abilities as athletes. This is a lot easier said than done to be a mentally strong and confident runner. We want to give you some practical ways that you can improve your mindset and tips for retraining your thinking to take your training to the next level. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who has been a runner for 20 years now, and he has been coaching for the last 10 years um, from the middle school, high school, college level, all the way up to uh, master's athletes and runners um, doing recreational road races um, at the club level. And here at Run for PRs, he helps you know a lot of athletes train for a marathon, half marathon distances, um, and, and below also. So he has a lot of experience with training um, himself and also helping other athletes reach their goals and helping shift the mindsets of athletes at all different age groups. Um, This is something that's prevalent even, you know, as middle schoolers and even before that, you know, it's all about believing in yourself. And prior to being a run coach, Jason was also a physical education teacher. And I think you can see a lot of the same things playing out when it comes to, you know, the mental engagement and confidence, um, you know, starting even as young as, you know, gym class when you're a young kid and um, the people who, you know, rise up kind of to the top of that class usually have more confidence in themselves and and enjoy um, what they're doing more. Um, whereas some people like myself, when I was in middle school, you know, it's just, it wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. And so I think I had a negative attitude during gym class and that actually had a ripple effect into other areas of my life um, when it came to physical fitness. And we're just going to be chatting a little bit about different topics when it comes to, you know, your mindset and how you can shift it. Um, because I think a lot of people do struggle with negativity at times or just falling a little bit short of where they hope they could be because of, you know, maybe that negative voice inside of your head that's holding you back a little bit. So Jason, what kind of attitude do you think that you need to have to be a successful distance runner? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it all starts with just um, being open and positive because the second you let your thoughts go negative, we have all been there in races or workouts, um, we, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. So one negative thought can lead to another. So how do we learning how to dismiss those negative thoughts because it is normal to have them creep into your mind, but um, focusing on 
on um, what you can control is really the key. Um, and I think that that's really something that, you know, is learned over time through workouts, through race experiences. Um, but being positive is definitely one thing. Um, I think visualizing ahead of time is really key as well. So, um, you know, preparing for not just workouts, but races, like every aspect of the race, um, how you might feel at certain points. I think that's really important. And, um, visualizing feeling a certain way when you are finishing, because that's the most important thing is really like finishing strong. Right. So, um, I think that those, those two things would be two big things I'd, I'd want athletes to think about is just being positive and then, um, you know, visualizing ahead of time during and, um, during workouts and then trying to practice, you know, what, what a race might entail during their workouts so that, um, they're used to kind of going through the process. Uh, they're not going to be overly nervous on race day and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I think visualization is huge and seeing yourself being successful and then also just seeing yourself at different points of the race, like you said. And I I do think, you know, it's easy to paint that picture and to say, you know, you want to feel like this during these points of the race and, you know, working on positive mindset. And I think it's one of those things that's a lot easier said than done. Um, So as a coach, like obviously over the years, you've worked with a number of different athletes and I'm sure you've seen athletes who just really excel in this and don't really have a lot of struggles when it comes to this area. Um, I know, you know, I've watched you say to a kid before a race, like, oh, I think you're going to run this time. And like, you can just see their face light up. They believe in themselves and then they go out and execute. And it's just like, they didn't ever have any doubt in their ability. Whereas other athletes, um, it's like almost the thing that holds them back for their entire running career. And for whatever reason, um, it just, it's always there no matter like how, how much confidence that you instill in them or no matter how, um, how many workouts that they execute somehow, there's always just this roadblock of, um, you know, not thinking they're good enough or when the going gets tough in the race, like them kind of breaking instead of, you know, digging deeper into that next level. So do you think it's something that's more like in eight, um, within us or, what what has been like the biggest differentiating factor between those athletes that are able to reach this you know more positive mindset in a race um, and confidence versus someone who just struggles with it? Yeah, I think certain parts can definitely be innate. You know, there there are people out there that um, you know they are more competitive or they enjoy um, just the the challenge right that comes with running and, and comes with. Um, persevering through tough through tough uh, tasks, so I think that that those types of people they're going to have an easier time in terms of um, digging deeper and and staying you know staying positive. Um, they're going to be more likely to probably buy into um, you know those types of beliefs and and what their potential is. But for those who maybe struggle with it or haven't experienced much success yet with with reaching their potential and running, I think that can be a lot more difficult to always you know, buy into the positive thoughts and to believe in yourself. And I think it just starts with uh, little things like believe, like basically in, in workouts, like can you accomplish the, the task or the goal of that specific workout? And it might just be running uh, negative splits or it might be hitting a certain time for your interval, intervals. And then, um, you know, it's kind of uh, something that's going to be learned throughout experiences and then that'll, you just build upon that. So, um, you know, it's kind of like looking at kids. Some kids are going to be more, um, more apt to persevering through certain tasks. Other kids might um, lose lose focus and attention. They might move on to something else. So it's similar in running in, in that we're all kind of different in how we um, approach our challenges. But, um, you know, some of the things that I always instilled in, in our athletes, high school and college level athletes would be um, basically, 
implementing like mental cues and then positive phrases and self-talk during races when things start to get tough. Um, so some examples of positive self-talk could be, um, you know, like, um, this is this, I want my body to feel effortless at the beginning. Um, or I'm going to, um, stay strong until the end. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to stick with this person. Um, um, I'm physically relaxed and mentally focused and I'm tuned in with my body. So those are some examples of staying positive. Yeah, I think those are really good, you know, mantras to say to yourself and to just kind of have it in your head. And I think, you know, that's more of like an advanced um, section of this, right? So I think like starting out, there are some people who struggle with almost like the complete opposite. So it's like a negative downward spiral of thoughts. Um, And maybe these are people who struggle with anxiety and other aspects of their life. Um, Speaking just from experience, like sometimes if one thing just goes wrong or like you aren't feeling exactly how you thought you would, or, you know, the workout is way harder and you're way off your splits, like that one negative thought of like, whoa, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Or geez, like what's wrong with me today or whatever, um, can almost like be a trigger for a cascade of like, you suck all these like horrible things that will just naturally happen, um, for people who, uh, I, I think it's just like a natural evolution of, you know, what happens to your thoughts if you let them just run wild. And a lot of people, I think they don't understand that it does take a conscious effort to like shut those down. So I think the first thing is like recognizing, okay, what am I saying to myself right now and not letting your thoughts just take over, right? So it's all about redirecting your thoughts. And the second that you get that negative thought it's important to engage and go, whoa, where did that come from? And like, what's really going on here? Um, and trying to figure out a way to stop from going too far negative. Because I think once you get to that point of negativity, it's really easy if you don't consciously step in as like that thought mediator to just fall down the rabbit hole of negative thoughts. Um, like if you're in the middle of a race and like you're a little bit too slow it's always easier to just like zone out and just like go negative. Right. But the thing that sets really good athletes apart is like you were saying, recognizing that negative thought, acknowledging it and saying, I don't really think that that's a hundred percent the case for me right now at this moment. Right. Like, yeah, it was a little bit slower than I wanted to, or yeah, this maybe feels a little bit harder, but if you can just come up with like a, but statement and then something more neutral, like, but, you know, it's the first couple of miles and it usually feels bad or, but, um, you know, it's a little hot out or, but, you know, the last race I did, I kind of felt bad at the beginning too. And I still ran really well. Um, if you're able just to like make it more of a neutral or a positive, um, then all of a sudden your thoughts just kind of like, oh yeah, you're right. Like this isn't that bad. And you don't have to like fall down that rabbit hole of negative thinking. Um, so I think, for people who have those negative thoughts creep up, the easiest way to kind of go to the positive, like you were talking about, like with all those mantras and stuff, is to recognize the negative thought and then just rationalize kind of your way out of it. So if it was, geez, I'm already, you know, 15 seconds per mile slower than I thought I would be, it's any way that you can flip that into a positive. So let's say you actually are slowing down, middle of a 5K race. 
and you are running literally 15 seconds per mile slower than the mile before. You could say, you know what? I'm purposely choosing to slow down. I am in control of the pace and I am going to slow down a little bit more so that I can finish strong, right? So it's it's putting you in the driver's seat. It's making you feel like you're a little bit more in control as opposed to, oh my gosh, I'm slowing down. Yes, I'm a failure. Ah, la, la, la. Because once you kind of put a positive twist to it, you're able to then focus on the task at hand instead of kind of throwing a pity party for yourself. So Jason, do you ever have moments in a race where like you have negative thoughts or is that something that you don't really struggle with? Um, are you just really good at like doing this like rebuttal thing where you flip it and make it a positive and you just aren't even consciously aware that you do that? Yeah, that's a good point. I think over time, you know, I've learned to, um, you know, if, if a race or workout's not going my way, meaning I, I don't think I'm going to, you know, meet my expectations for the day or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty good at just like shutting my brain down and not, not allowing those negative thoughts to creep in. Like I'll just kind of ride the line. I'll stick on the effort or the pace that I'm on and I'll just try to get through it and finish. So I don't have a, the trick. I don't have like the, um, you know, the whirlwind of negative thoughts that trickle through my head. Um, I have kind of learned through, you know, lots, lots of experiences cause I've done races. I've done work. We've done workouts with having people around you all the time with teammates in high school and college. So you kind of learn to just, um, adapt to, um, you know, all of those things that you can and can't control, um, and try to flip things into positives, like you said. And so that's kind of what I've always preached to athletes. And, you know, you brought up some good examples of if you're starting too slow and, um, you know, the same could be said for the opposite. If you're realizing you're going out too hard and instead of telling yourself like, Oh God, I'm going to die like usual or whatever, like you can remind yourself like, you know what, I'm, I'm going out hard because I'm, I'm, uh, excited about all this, this race atmosphere. And, um, that's okay. If I can just stay relaxed right now, I'm still going to have a good time and a good finish and a, you know, good results. So, um, you know, no matter what those thoughts are that creep in, you have to find a way to kind of dismiss them, especially because typically they're not associated to pain. They're just going to be associated to discomfort or to, um, you know, to basically hard effort. And so you really just want to, kind of ease up a little bit, but also, um, remind yourself what the purpose is of you doing the event. So, uh, the purpose is you're going to feel good after, um, I'm going to make sure that I, you know, my, my family's watching me at the finish line. So I want to make sure that I, you know, have the strongest looking finish possible for me when I'm coming down the last straightaway. And so just kind of focusing on those positives and the end of the race, I think it's always helpful to be focusing on the end just because then we know that, um, we're going to get that break. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, you know, not letting yourself get to that negative headspace. And I think for a lot of this podcast so far, we've been talking about how, you know, negativity is, you know, bad, right? Like we want to avoid it. Um, And it's some people are like, okay, like what's so bad about it, right? And you have to really look at it from an evolutionary standpoint, I think, like, when you start having all these negative thoughts of like, I'm going to have the worst race ever, I'm going to, I'm blowing up in the race, or I'm slowing down so much, or like this workout is going terribly, all of those thoughts, um, they're creating like a form of almost like anxiety in our body, right? And they're triggering like that fight or flight response. Um, and it's just like red alert within your body. Um, and it's creating like cortisol and all the stress hormones and you actually cannot perform to your potential 
when you have all of these things going on. So it's like your body is being crippled by the thoughts that you are saying to yourself while you're exercising. So it's always better to have, you know, your mind and your body working together and being positive and being in more of that flow state where everything is just, you know, clicking um, or even just like a neutral position. But as soon as you start like having your mind and your body um, fighting each other, so to speak, it becomes really difficult and the effort of your runs is going to feel harder. And I honestly think it's going to affect you on a physical standpoint because there are physiological effects that happen when we become triggered with anxiety and when we have negative thoughts, it does have physiological effects. And I think, you know, if you look at things like cancer patients and um, those sort of studies where, or even like a placebo study, when someone like thinks they're taking something that's going to help them, um, they do. And so our mind, they do um, end up like feeling like they're seeing an improvement to their symptoms or whatever. And so the placebo effect is so interesting because it just shows that our mind is like so powerful that it can make things up out of thin air, right? So if you're saying positive things to yourself, even though you're not feeling great, it actually could make you perform better, right? So it's really important to just really be mindful of your thoughts because they can really make or break your performance. And we're not talking like, you know, you're not going to become, you know, a sub two hour marathon or anything like that, like Kipchoge status. It's just enough between having those good race experiences where you're able to like run the PR or run, you know, five seconds per mile faster uh, versus having those race day experiences where you're just blowing up and, and maybe walking to the finish or just not feeling great about yourself and all of those things. So Jason, um, have you ever seen this play out in other aspects of you know, your life or other people's lives around you, or maybe like as a gym teacher, did you ever see this prevalent, um, you know, just in the population of students you taught over nine years? Um, did you ever see like that self-fulfilling prophecy of like someone not believing in themselves? And then it just kind of, and you saw potential in them, but like they didn't see it. And it just ended up where they never were able to reach that potential and then vice versa. Like maybe someone you saw not a lot of potential in really believed in themselves and then they rose up to like the top and it it surprised you, but it just like shows you the power of self-belief. Yeah, definitely. I I think, um, you know, being a FIAD teacher for so many years, you know, we would have our kids do a lot of fitness tests. And so that's kind of the example that comes to mind, especially um, when we shifted from the mile run to the pacer where kids would run back and forth and they'd try to keep up as long as they could. And, um, the kids, you know, some kids, if they just didn't have any belief in their ability to run much more than, you know, 10 or 20 laps or whatever, um, they would basically just kind of give up, especially when, when the, you know, it started to become difficult for them and they're breathing heavy. Um, and a lot of times that's just because they aren't, you know, they're not um, trained. They're not used to putting themselves in those uncomfortable situations. And so all it takes is like some conditioning for not just their physical, um, body, but also their brain. And so, you know, we'd work, we talked through some of that and then it's, it was pretty easy to get kids to improve the second time they do it. Um, you know, even if it's just a few weeks later is especially if they, um, are just wanting to improve, but they have to want it. That's the thing. They got to be willing, um, to really experience that, um, or to try to, you know, improve on their, their first mark or whatever. And so, yeah, when we, when we think about self-belief, it really just comes down to me to, um, having some positive experiences because that's really what's going to 
allow you to want, you know, want to try harder and want to dig deeper and push past those uncomfortable feelings. And, you know, those positive experiences, they come just with, just with little victories, basically, like I was talking about earlier, like having some positive workouts, um, you know, having a race that you were executed properly and you, you, you know, you had a good racing plan and that sort of thing. Yeah, I do find this really interesting and just hearing how you said about, you know, in the gym class, you know, if the kid is getting towards the end, they stop, walk, all that stuff. Um, and then maybe they, they finish strong. And so it, it brings me back to like all the times I've ever watched the finish of, you know, just 5k events that take place. And a lot of people, you know, they do these as, you know, maybe their first, second, third, fourth, fifth race or whatever. Um, and I've watched, you know, the finish line all the way through to, you know, over an hour. And what I find very interesting is a lot of times once you reach, I don't know, a certain point in the race, it seems like almost 50% of the people who come up to the finish line, like let's say you're 400 meters back, it's like they're doing a walk, they're kind of checked out, um, but then as they approach that finish line, it's like out of nowhere, they get this surge of energy where they like are able to sprint super fast and finish the race very strong. And so you always are wondering, okay, well, like, but 400 meters back there, what was going on in your mind? Why were you walking, right? Like, it's like you physically could have been running, but it's just like maybe something was going on in your mind where, you know, it was like you were afraid you weren't going to make it to the finish or, you know, you were just bored or whatever it may be. Um, but I think at a basic level, we've all experienced that, right? Where it's like the finish line, all of a sudden we see it and we're like, oh yeah, like now I have this extra surge of energy. And that just goes back to show like, well, if you have, if you do actually have like an extra surge there at the end where you're going to a totally different level, um, that energy was always there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just more about mentally being able to tap into that when you want to, as opposed to have needing that external trigger, right? And so I think that's something that's obviously improved with over time, um, I think a lot of people who do their first 5Ks or first races, they're very cautious, right? Like you, you want to be able to make it to that finish. But as you get more experience, it's like you can really toe that line a little bit more. Um, and I think a lot of us are just a lot more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and like we don't need to stop and, and walk. You know, we can make it to that finish line. We can sprint it in starting a little bit sooner. Um, like we have that extra energy within us. It's all about how can we, you know, turn on our brains to really execute and, um, give us that energy kind of when we want it. And I do think it's really interesting from like an evolutionary standpoint. I think we are wired as humans just to conserve energy, right? Like we used to be hunters and gatherers and you'd go out and you'd have to actually kill an animal to eat meat, right? Like you'd have to go hunt and, and collect food and all of that stuff. Um, so you had to be conservative with your energy. Like it took energy to find the food. Um, and so we wanted to take the easy route. We wanted to do it in the most efficient way possible. And that kept us alive for, you know, however many years that humans have been on the planet. And so now we're in a standpoint where we're in a race and our bodies and our minds are still thinking, how can we do this with the conserving energy and with the least amount of effort possible? And so sometimes our brains will trick our bodies into thinking, oh, like we don't need to try that hard or, you know, like let's just conserve more energy. When in reality, that's just like an evolutionary thing that's going on in our brain because, you know, millions of years ago, like 
we did really need to conserve our energy. Um, otherwise we would die. But, you know, in a race, uh, I think there is usually more, um, to give than we give ourselves credit for. Uh, so do you ever have those thoughts that pop up during a race? Um, and have you ever looked at it from like an evolutionary standpoint? Um, yeah, I mean a little bit, it's, it's so cool that you use these examples cause they, they definitely resonate with me. And, you know, I, I was thinking about like, you're referring to the JV kick basically is what we call mm-hmm. it, where the kid, if you've ever been to a JV track meet across country, you see that all the time where the finishes, the kicks of these, the last hundred meters of the race, these kids are kicking super hard and it's basically just as fast as if you're watching the varsity, but the difference is they're just running a much slower pace, um, during the race. Um, and it, it boils down to, yeah, confidence, but really experience. And, and so I think the more experience you get, the, that, um, starts to form your comfortability with, um, with just learning how to, you know, uh, increase the pace throughout and, and tolerate, um, you know, that sort of feeling of discomfort earlier on while still kind of creating that or giving yourself that confidence that you can finish strong, um, yeah, I definitely think the mental cues, that's, that's really key. And so sometimes those kids, they're new to the sport or whatever, and it just takes some time for them to be coached and for them to reflect on what they could have done differently. But some of the good mental cues I can, I can remember and think of is, is um, especially when going up hills or downhills is you really want to just um, correct your form a little bit. Obviously you want to shorten your stride slightly with a slight lean, um, that sort of thing. And then also just relax and go in the last mile of the race. You want to remind yourself to keep your your arms from crossing over when it's getting tired. You want to keep your face relaxed and your shoulders in the right spot. So um, I think that it's really just key to just keep focusing on um, relaxing your form and, and patience is really key because I feel like um, a lot of times we're just, we're not patient and we we that's why you see people start off way too fast and then um, they realize like, oh, they're not going to be able to sustain this pace. So then the negative thoughts creep in and there's no like quality finish. Um, and then it just kind of continues and continues. So they need to really, um, stay patient early on, um, continue to run, you know, even or negative splits. And I think over time that just really builds that confidence. And along the way you're learning how to, um, you know, how to implement the positive self-talk that goes into that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I love how you call it like the JV kick. I've definitely heard um, that phrase before, but I think the point is that, you know, when you're not experienced with racing, um, I'm sure we all were there, right? Like you ran your first, you know, 5K ones and so did I, where you're just really more conservative. You're just trying to figure it out. Um, And there's a lot of like mental training that goes into just becoming a good racer. And I think that's really what we've spent the majority of this podcast talking about is just that race day, staying mentally tough, staying mentally engaged. And I think people can relate to that, like, you know, in a workout, um, for a race, all of those things, because we all have like those negative thoughts that creep up. And I think just having those positive mantras and being able to kind of retrain your brain to not fall down that negativity, um, rabbit hole is super important and it can really help people, um, reach that next level when it comes to race day and just performing better um, in workouts and in races. And so obviously this is something that improves over time, but 
being in control of your thoughts when you're in the moment and when you're doing the races and the workouts can go such a long way. So it's just something to be really consciously aware of. And even, you know, someone like myself who has been racing for almost a decade now, um, it's still something that I really have to be consciously thinking about because if I just let my brain, um, kind of, you know, run wild, it's going to go negative naturally. So having those rebuttal phrases and making sure you acknowledge any negative thoughts that pop up and create them into more of a neutral instead of a negative. Um, cause then in that moment, it's, it's a lot easier to, to rise up and go positive than it is to, you know, continue with negative thoughts. Cause usually, you know, the negative thoughts, some of it might be true, but there is a way to flip it into a positive, just like we talked about earlier. So that's more on like a day to day or like on a performance level basis. But I think there's also another factor to this that we haven't really touched on yet. And it's on like the big scale, big level. Um, and so the way that I want to maybe address this is I started running as an adult. And so, you know, in high school, gym class and stuff, like I was really bad, like one of the last pick kids, all those things, like you were talking about the presidential mile. Like I, I walked it just because it's like, I wasn't an athletic person growing up. And so I think when you're in your adolescence, you put labels on yourself. Um, maybe society labels for you. And so, you know, athlete may or may not be a label that you have for yourself. And for me, it was not on me at all. Like I'm not an athlete. I'm not a fitness person, but I had like other things that, you know, I was, I was confident. And so like, I was a good student. Um, you know, I had a, I worked, so I just had like other labels that I had. Um, whereas you, you were someone who, you know, ran in high school and I know that you were one of the better runners on your team. So I assume that like you had a label on you that was like, good athlete, like best runner on the team or one of the best. Um, and that affects how you perform so much because when you have that as your expectation, if the expectation on you is I'm one of the best runners on the team, you start to like, believe that, like you wear that you're like, I am the best, right? (laughs) Like, whereas me, if I'm sitting there in, you know, gym class and I'm picked last, I'm like, you just, you label yourself as I'm the worst. Like I am not good at this. I am not going to be good at any sports. I'm not good at running. I mean, you, you, you label yourself and you put all of these things into like, you put yourself in a box basically. And when you're in that box, you're limited. And so in your case, it was probably really positive for you because you put yourself in the box of like, I'm the best or, you know, like I'm a, I'm a good runner. Um, and so like that propelled you forward into your career and you were able to like rise to the top. Whereas me, it held me back. And so I wasn't able to actually even enter the sport of running um, for a very long time because I was like, yeah, I'm not a runner. And so whenever I hear people say the phrase, oh yeah, like I run, you know, but I'm not a runner. I'm like, you have put yourself in a box and that's a limiting mindset. So you think that like you don't belong (laughs) in the box of I am a runner. Um, And I think that's really hard mentally because it does limit you so much. And, you know, it's it's just a silly phrase like saying, oh, but I'm not a real runner. But the fact that you're saying that is telling me so much about yourself and what you believe about yourself. Um, And so I think it's just really important to be aware of like the labels you're setting yourself up for. So even like when you say stuff like that you're an injury prone runner, um, I think 
even saying that, you, you do have to be careful with that because I do think sometimes these things are like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So have you ever, you know, labeled yourself something and then it, it becomes true or, or vice versa? Wow, really, really good thoughts there that you, that you were talking about. And I, I really um, enjoy listening because it, it just made me think of like why, why you shouldn't compare yourself to other people. Because like you just said, uh, people like me or people that have been running their whole life, they, they grow up, they're part of this, this team and they've been coached and all of this and they just have all these like different experiences. And um, you're right, it's totally not comparable for those people that started running like as an adult. Um, they probably had to work so much harder and just um, thinking about like, uh, how they were able to kind of train their mind mentally, um, to get to where they are, you know, hopefully are at now. It's, it's, it's amazing. I know a lot of adult runners who started, um, you know, in their twenties and they're faster than me right now. So I'm always really, really amazed by their story. But, um, yeah, I guess the, the, um, so your question was about, have I ever had a, yeah, ask me again, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Like your thoughts. So if you thought, yeah, I'm going to like win nationals versus oh. like saying, oh, I'm, I'm just going to be a really bad college runner. Like yeah. what, what were your thoughts and like, have they ever just like came true? Like, did you ever believe it or see it in your mind before it came true? Yeah. I think because I've had those experiences growing up and being part of, um, you know, I being part of teams and stuff, I knew exactly like, it was easy for me, I guess, to set goals, right? Like I wanted to make it to this meet or run a certain time in this event, um, I had a, a lot of variety in running events, like shorter races up to the 5k. And so, um, I kind of knew where my strengths were. And, um, I think for me, yeah, it was, it was sometimes a little bit easier to set those goals and, you know, thinking about a person that started running later, um, for them, the goal, your definition of a runner to me is like anyone that just runs. Right. So we're all under the same umbrella. If you go out and run, um, I don't care if it's once a week, you're still, you're still a runner. I don't care if it's a mile or two. Um, the beauty that drives people, I think, is just they want to improve over time. Like that's, um, or they like the way that it makes them feel. And so the beginner runners or people that didn't grow up the same way I did with running. I think that that's kind of the the motivating, the driving factor behind it. For me, it was more like, yeah, I wanted to place this place or run this certain time. But again, it's all kind of tied to the similar concept of like improvement, um, of defining ourselves, feeling like we're, um, you know, meeting, meeting these expectations we set for ourselves. And I think it just teaches us that if you put in that work, you put in the effort, um, you know, good things will happen, but also you're, you're likely to, uh, get to the places you want to be. And so that can, that can trickle in other areas of your life too. You know, if you put effort in your professional life, um, or you go and you put effort in your education, you go back to school and you study hard, it's going to pay off for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think we have a unique perspective just because like, you've been exposed to so many runners over your lifetime. So I don't think that you ever struggled with like, oh, like a scarcity mindset, right? So the idea is a scarcity mindset means that like success is limited to a select few amount of people. Um, And anytime someone is successful, that just means like there's less room for you at the top, right? So that's the idea of a scarcity mindset. And that is not a good mindset to have. Whereas the abundance mindset is like, if someone else is successful um, and you see someone become successful, that's just like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting for you because you know that like you could be next or you know that it's possible for you too. And so I think when you grow up in, you know, a good cross country program, like you did, um, you're able to see more of that abundance mindset. Cause you're like, oh, this kid. And like, he, he did all all this and so can I and when you're more of an adult runner I think 
Um, you sometimes get categorized more in that scarcity mindset where you're like, well, you know, like I, it's only for the select few or for whatever reason you think that because you're not surrounded by a community of athletes where you're able to see people who come literally from really like bad beginnings. I'm sure you had people on your cross country team, um, growing up where that were like horrible when they started and then they became like the best runners. Um, so it, you got to see firsthand success stories, whereas adults, they don't really see that, right? They just see themselves and they see people who've been running their whole lives. And so it's hard to see that there is this abundance out there. If you put in the work, you can get whatever results you want. And so I often see in more of like the adult runners, they have this mindset of they can't reach a certain level or they can't um, become a certain type of athlete for whatever reason. Um, and it's very, very common. I mean, even people like myself, I struggled with that a lot. I, I thought, you know, I can't qualify for Boston. It's not for me. Like it was all this scarcity mindset thing. Um, I haven't been running my whole life and there was just all these limiting things that I was putting on myself. But if you looked at like my 5k time or like my speed potential, like in the mile, um, everything said, yes, you can qualify for Boston. It was just my belief in myself didn't even allow me to train and like take that seriously as a goal because whatever preconceived, you know, thoughts I had about what a Boston qualifier was like, oh, they have to be running their whole life. Oh, they have to be, you know, X, Y, Z and the other thing. And I see this happen a lot. Like even with my mom, she, she wants to run, you know, a certain time for a marathon and uh, you know, her half marathon could be right there. She's her 5k predicts way faster than that. But for whatever reason, when you say that she can run this specific time out loud, she'll like laugh. Like she can't even take it seriously. And it's like you, yes, if if your reaction to me saying you can run a certain time is to laugh, you're not going to ever hit it because you, you don't even take it seriously. Like you can't even take that potential seriously. And I think some people are scared of their potential because once you admit like, yeah, my potential, like you, Jason, if you like were to admit and be like, yeah, my potential in the marathon is, you know, whatever Jack Daniels is saying, like what, 225 or whatever. As soon as you say that, then you're saying, oh, wow, like that's actually possible for me. I just need to put the work in. And so then you're faced with, I think, more of the challenge of like, am I willing to put the work in? Um, So why do you think sometimes it is hard for people to look at their potential and be like, yes, I can do that and fully embrace it? Um, yeah, I think a number of reasons. I think they're scared that things can get in the way. Obviously, for me in the past, it's been schedule, like just feeling like I'm not able to really devote the time that it takes mm-hmm. to go into the training, um, knowing that I need to do the little things in order to stay healthy. Um, so like the strength training, all that. Um, and so I think that those sorts of things can instill some fear in people. Um, also, maybe just... Um, yeah, maybe they haven't hit certain times in other events that maybe would indicate, um, you know, the, or align with the goal that they want to shoot for themselves. And so that can kind of drive them away as well. But um, I definitely think, um, yeah, it's different for each person. I think the the biggest thing is just to have the experiences where your, um, you know, your times are going to, you're going to have a race where the, um where the time indicates you can run something else in a different event and then you have to just shift your focus. And, um, yeah, I, I had another train of thought, but I'm, it's, I'm losing it now because you, you spoke about so much, so much good stuff that I wanted to add to. Maybe it'll come back to me here in a second. 
Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it can be looking down and saying, yes, this is what I could potentially run, you know, if I put in the training, right? And so like, that's a whole nother statement there, uh, assuming that you want to hit that goal, right? So, so often I think as athletes, like, it's just assumed, you know, if you're a 5k runner, like you go to the 10k half marathon, marathon, um, and so on. And so there's always like these, these paths that other people follow. And sometimes we get so caught up in these paths, like, oh, I have to, you know, run a marathon because that's, I'm a distance runner and that's what they do. And I have to strive for my best in a marathon. And sometimes we reach a point where we realize like, maybe that's not what we want or that's not what we like. Um, and it can be hard to admit that if, you know, you're trying to follow the status quo and do what other people are doing or do what you think you're supposed to be doing. Um, but I think sometimes there just becomes a point where you realize like, I, yes, I could run that potentially, but I'm not, I don't have the time or I don't have, um, the energy to devote to that goal because it's not what's like really lighting me up and setting me on fire. Like I don't enjoy the workouts associated with long runs. Um, I don't like to run long, like to admit that and say that, um, you really have to take like, I don't know, like personal accountability for that and say, and it's, it's really saying like how you feel about, um, certain events. And I think it's, it's hard for people because you know, you know, some people really love the marathon and maybe you think like it's a, it's an inadequacy within you, um, all of those sort of things. But I think it's really important to train for events that really get you excited because obviously if you aren't excited about the goal, like if someone says, Oh yeah, you could run like a three hour marathon and like, you're not so pumped to do like all the workouts. If you're just like, yeah, that's okay. But that's not really what I want to do. Um, then you're never going to get there because you're, you don't want it. Right. It, it, it can, it's kind of like with any career, any job, you know, it's like you can climb any corporate ladder you want. Like you can get any career that you want, but eventually, um, if you're at a job that you don't like, you're not going to be motivated to climb the ladder to get to the next level. If you hate your job and like you hate what your boss does every day. Um, so yeah, it might make sense. You know, the status quo in America might be climb the corporate ladder, but if you're in a position that you hate and you look at your boss's job and you hate that, um, you know, you're not going to be motivated and you're not going to want to do that. So maybe sometimes like pivoting and finding a different event that you like, or even maybe a different sport. Like maybe you're just like, I'm done with running. I, I want to do weightlifting kind of like Ryan Hall, right? It's like you just reach a point where it's just not lighting your fire anymore. Um, and I think that's okay to admit. So do you think that there's like a stigma with people not doing the marathon or not following a certain flow through their running career? Yeah, definitely. And you brought up some good things that reminded me of what I wanted to say when you were talking earlier about the scarcity versus the abundance mindset. I think that that's really the beauty of um, for people is being exposed to all these runners and build, building that community, whether that's through an online platform or through like in person at races and events. And, you know, but the thing with that is we just have to be careful, like you said, to not compare ourselves too much or do, do a specific event just because we think that's what we need to do to fit in or because that's what we see so many other people doing. And this person's comparable to me in this event. So I should be doing the same thing. Um, it's really about, like you said, finding what you enjoy, doing the events that, um, you know, are going to get you kind of excited um, and, you know, it's fine if you want to do something outside your comfort zone, especially it, because it can strengthen you in that area when you kind of go back. So I always tell the marathoners like, hey, it's OK to take a break and let's focus on the speed and the 5K and that sort of thing. And then let's go back. 
um, or ultras too. People want to kind of get into ultras because that's kind of their passion. Let's do that for a while and then let's take a break and then maybe we can go back and do a half or a full and you're going to realize like, hey, just, you're a lot stronger now. So it's going to be easier for you to just go and run a PR. Um, just everything you've learned and practiced, the mindset and all that, just go and uh, you know, do your thing in a shorter race distance and you're, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. So I think, yeah, I think it's really about um, doing what you love and maybe trying something new. I know people get into tries or they get into biking. Uh, 2020 was a weird year for trying something new for a lot of people. And uh, hopefully, you know, many people got a chance to at least do some sort of uh, virtual event or where they were, you know, by themselves, because I think that's a good way to to push yourselves and to um, kind of work on your own mental toughness. I think mental training is a lot like our physical training. It needs to be worked on throughout the year. And eventually that's what is going to lead to, you know, that positive self-confidence. Yeah, so many good points there. I think it's totally okay to, you know, change your mind, switch what you're training for, spice things up. Um, you don't have to, like, keep doing the same races over and over again. Um, just to keep things interesting, to keep yourself excited. And it's, you know, okay to kind of admit that maybe, like, what used to excite you in terms of training isn't really doing it for you right now. And so that's why, you know, we do the 15 weeks faster 5K thing. It's like most people were really into their marathon training. All their marathons are getting canceled. And I was like, hey, maybe if we throw out this 5K training, people will be into it. Um, um, you know, we, we weren't really sure. We were like, that's kind of like a curveball, right? Like who wants to go from marathon training to 5k training? But you know, there were so many people that were interested in it. And I think it was the idea of spicing things up. Cause it's like, you know, your marathon gets canceled and, and it's just like, completely shifting focuses is sometimes like the best thing that you can do. And then when you go back to refocus on whatever it was that you were training for before, like maybe you'll have that increased fire, um, to really, you know, hit it, or maybe you'll just fall in love with the 5k and you'll, you'll do that for a while. So it's, it's different. It's okay that everyone's different. And I think it's just really important to remember, you know, the abundance mindset definitely, um, is the way to go you know, there's success, there's room for everyone at the top. Um, we can all achieve success and it's not limited to, you know, a select number of few. And it's not all about, you know, the talent that you have naturally. It's just about putting in the work because in the sport of running, it really is, you know, if you put the work in, you can really reach whatever level of athlete that you want. You just have to be, you know, willing to make those sacrifices and put in the work. So I hope that this podcast was useful and you can use some of these nuggets, um, maybe on race day or just in your day-to-day life when you're thinking about yourself as an athlete and a runner um, to transform your training and how you perform going into the future. And if you ever have um, the desire to work with a coach or to have someone kind of in your corner giving you that positive feedback and building your confidence and working with a self-belief, um, we have a free seven-day trial. If you go to our website at www.runforprs.co and fill out the form there, we can get you set up with a coach right away and you can have a free seven-day trial. So thanks for tuning in.